You're listening to Baltimoreans, the home of the all-weather fan. My name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid. Baltimoreans. How much stupider, Alan Smith, could we get than how stupid the world has become since our last broadcast? Well, um, currently, as we sit here and record on um, March 18th, uh, year of our Lord 2022, there is at least actual baseball being played by the actual Baltimore Orioles in this exact instant. Yes, though um, not not by Adley Rutschman, unfortunately. <laughs> no, uh, that's that sort of feels like uh, inevitable, right? Oh, I felt like that was one of those things that, though I, I didn't want to see it coming, there was no way it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, it felt like one of those news stories where you read it and you're like, um, it like you have precognition as you're beginning to read it as if like you have already read the story. The story has always been part of you. In fact, <laughs> uh, as far as you know, there's, you've always, you've always been in the hotel whenever you read about <laughs> Orioles prospects and injuries. You were born here and you will die here. <laughs> Much like all of our hopes uh, and dreams for the 2022 season. If in fact we had any of those in the first place. Well, you know, I, I would say 60% of my dreams for the 2022 season involved there being a 2022 season. So, hey. <laughs> Hope springs eternal, ever the optimist, Alan Smith. Um, <laughs> and as long as we don't all get nuked out of existence, you may indeed, that, that at least that minimum dream may come true. Um, well, I think I think that's a really important point, Sam, because <laughs> do you think so? Uh, sitting, sitting here <laughs> trying to get excited about the Baltimore Orioles or indeed anything at all, mm. with the uh, terrifying specter of imminent destruction to layer on the terrifying specters of less imminent destruction from our collective choices around global climate change really, really makes you wonder. And it is fascinating to see the sort of like global condemnation of um, Russian oligarchs without anybody thinking for a second about dropping the word Russian from that <laughs> equation. Well, if we do that, Smith, you understand it, it makes it much harder for us to have unalloyed hate. Um, it's easy now because so we just put Russian in front of it. I know, ostensibly, this is a baseball podcast, and I know that ostensibly baseball is, in fact, going to be played. So my excuse in the over the last two podcasts of there not even being any baseball to talk about is ostensibly out the window. But <laughs> the Chelsea Football Club are giving the world this fascinating moment that I think that is like just straight down Baltimore's alley that I think we really have to talk about here because. Every day, fans of Chelsea Football Club are waking up to exactly the human conundrum of being alive in 2022, which is the world has suddenly shown me that I picked the wrong, I backed the wrong horse. My goodness. I have an opportunity here to stand up and say, 
I backed the wrong horse. Thank you, Roman Abramovich, for the 24 trophies over the last 15 years. Thank you for the memories, but I backed the wrong horse. Being owned and operated by a Russian oligarch whose direct ties to the Kremlin are indisputable is too much, and we need to make a better choice going forward. Or they can choose to turn in and return to a sense of sort of us against the world tribalism that it seems like everybody across the American electorate, across the sort of like the, 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 the Republicans who supported Trump, across people who are backing dictators in countries all over the world, this is the choice that seems as though every human is making every day. We have the opportunity. Chelsea football fans have this opportunity in a very low stakes environment, right? It's just about the sports team that they, it's not even about like their political ideology or whether or not they have pulled a trigger and actually killed somebody like, you know, up against the wall in right, Columbia right. in the 1970s. Like, you know, I'm not even asking you to, to turn your back on that, but it's amazing to watch online Chelsea fan after Chelsea fan after Chelsea fan choose tribalism choose this us against the world mentality decide that they're going to back roman abramovich decide they're going to stand up during an away game and chant his name during a moment of silence for ukraine like like just like basically lose like these are englishmen english fans who have no allegiance to russia at all and even geopolitically are opposed to russia like they are on the other side of the cold war and yet like they have talked themselves into uh, not not all Chelsea fans. Hashtag not all Chelsea fans. Stated like, for the record. Stated for the record. Into this fucking bonkers worldview, which just smacks exactly to me of what it must be like to wake up every morning as a former moderate Republican and look around your party and be like, "I'm going to opt in again." <laughs> Day right, six thousand right. four hundred and thirteen to Donald Trump. Like yeah. it, 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 it has to be the same experience, and it's so wild to watch happen. It's it's totally wild, and it makes me think in the baseball context of the Dodgers fans who are racing to Trevor Bauer's defense. Um, yeah, as this perverse drama continues to be played out, where MLB keeps being like, "Well, we'll just extend the administrative leave a little longer. We'll just extend the administrative leave a little longer," like. To my read of that case, there's no gray area. Bounce the dude from the league. He violated... Let's put the good human being considerations aside on by which count he was guilty a long time ago and it's game over. But he, in a literal legal sense, violated the terms of his ability to draw a salary in the major leagues. He. There's no excuse or rationale by which he should still be in the league. And yet you have people, Dodgers fans, notionally fairly liberal folks, or I should say progressive, fairly progressive folks who are trying to carve out these tiny slivers of rationale so that they can say, well, technically on the merits, there's no grounds for bouncing him from the league, which I guess is because they 
want there to be some conceivable scenario where he puts on the blue and white in 2022. But that's particularly ridiculous if you're a Dodgers fan, because the Dodgers, even before they signed Freddie Freeman, were so stacked (laughs) that it's impossible to imagine them losing any games this year. I mean, what what is this emotional reinforcement that people need by staying in league with people who are that far on the wrong side of the line? And then there's also the sort of like inevitable layer of whataboutism. There's the inevitable, like, you know, like misdirection, counter directives, like all of those sorts of rhetorical flourishes, which I think basically amount to, I am doing whatever I emotionally can to drive a wedge between the person that I am in every other walk of life and this person who is a Dodgers fan or this person who's a Chelsea fan. Um, and I just wonder, like, can we utilize this sort of crazy us against the world tribalism for good? Like, Ooh. couldn't there be a way in which we can flip? I mean, I think one answer to that question is like, shout out to the Bills Mafia and the sort of fans of Buffalo Bills who, after sort of major wins and also major losses got together and donated huge sums of money to the sort of foundations of the opposing team. Um, Like that sort of like um, tribalism there, like created a kind of really positive echo effect. Um, You know, who we are is we're Buffalo Bills fans, but also we care about our community and thus our investment in the world looks like this. Right. Um, a tribalism of the virtuous. Yeah. And like, you know, we're the best at being virtuous is fine with me. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's a pissing match that I don't particularly bother. It doesn't like, right. I don't lose sleep over it. As long as it's still a contest. Why not turn that tribalism into, um, a series of different fan bases racing to be the first fan base to own their own franchise. Why not sort of like, just to pick an example you know, out of the clear blue sky? <laughs> not this is a hobby horse that Alan hasn't been riding for literally ten years, but still, <laughs> like the the you know, there's a world in which the Chelsea fan club, like this, the, there's a, there's a there's a Chelsea supporters. I forget what the phrase is union or whatever. Yeah, like they have every opportunity to say. Um, Listen, Chelsea Football Club is a bedrock cultural institution in London. The fact that it is owned by Roman Abramovich right now is not great. But the fact that the next person up who is aligning their time to potentially like come in and swoop, swoop in after him is a Saudi media group. Also, Hooray! <laughs> like. We haven't really gotten anywhere if this is the direction that we choose to go. Yeah. Um, so why not? Why don't they step up and say, like, you know, let, uh, let um, you know, make us the majority owners? Um, why don't we pool our money and 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 put it back in the fan the, the hands of and, and you know maybe maybe one thing you're doing if you do that is maybe you are saying goodbye to um, signing all of the Freddie Freemans of the world. Um, but maybe not. <laughs> you yeah. Know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's not even the case. 
Well, part of what this makes me think about as you're talking about it is, you know, part of this question is like, why, what enables people to get up in the morning and, and think this way and not question the fact that they're thinking this way? And, you know, we just finally got to the end of this ridiculous, idiotic lockout, which was instigated by the owners, was unnecessary from the beginning, and was extended and perpetuated by the owners every step of the way in order to protect their absurd sums of wealth. And I don't ever really feel like an appropriate amount of outrage at the owners as a group ever bubbled to the surface throughout the lockout. And now that the lockout is over, the chances of that happening are nil because they've just given themselves a four-year reprieve because they know that in the, as we finally come to what, mercifully in the midst of all this, maybe a silver lining is it seems like maybe we're finally coming to the end of the pandemic. And it feels like a baseball season is going to be a just reward for everything we've been been through. And we were so tired of having all our nice things taken away for two years that the idea of summoning coherent outrage at this group of oligarchs American oligarchs, it just felt like too much. And now that they, you know, they can kind of make the case to us like, well, we all, we got, we sat down with the players union and we figured it out. The chance to hold them to account for warping the sport to the degree that they have, that that window is, is closed again for four more years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, remember when we went to spring training and the process of getting off that plane and waltzing out into the beautiful Florida sunshine and sitting down in that relaxed, like, uh, feel and, and what, like the sort of bliss that overwhelms you when you get into that stadium for the first time. Yeah. That's a pretty solid, um, way to defray the, uh, rage. <laughs> sitting, yeah. sitting, watching in sitting in the sun right now in Florida, watching the Orioles play the Blue Jays. I can imagine very easily everything being feeling like it's once again right with the world, even if all of the stuff that had to happen to get us there was fundamentally bananas and uh, and unnecessary. Oh yeah, if you're in Sarasota right now and you're sitting in the crowd and you're not from Florida, so you're smelling you're not just smelling fresh cut grass and sunblock for the first time in months you're doing that amongst legions of other baseball fans for the first time maybe in two years that's a hell of a drug (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean it doesn't right At, at, at the very least it's gonna it's gonna um be a huge anger let off it's gonna it's gonna release a lot of pressure yeah in terms of uh in terms of rage (laughs) yeah and i want to you know i want to hold some empathy for folks who are there and you know yeah have been craving that and and a big dollop of jealousy yeah for for sure (laughs) not above that if you've been if you have been putting off your spring training trip for the last two years and now you're finally getting two years plus a lockout 
And now you're finally getting to sit there and take in this feeling that does a tremendous amount to nourish you. You know, I mean, it's not, it, it's a lot to ask of a person in that position to say to themselves, well, you know, I really shouldn't be sitting here enjoying this. I should be writing a, a, a thoughtful letter to, um, you know, uh, to Peter Angelos uh, about why I disagree with um, the policies of ownership. Which is, I guess, as close as the Baltimoreans are ever likely to have gotten to saying, welcome back, baseball. <laughs> good to see you welcome back baseball um we invite all of you to watch the orioles this season with an arched eyebrow yes, yes. and a healthy uh, dose hang on. hang on to that rage because i do i do think that the that the ownership yeah like you like we've been saying the ownership is going to skate on this and and that does seem like to be a shame yeah. Um, maybe not Peter Angelo's particularly, but maybe so. I don't know. I wasn't in the room for all that sort of discussion. I will say a couple of things, um, and apologies, Baltimoreans, for this quick hit episode we're going to get in and out today. But we we have a promise to you, which is that we're going to do a um, an annual um, a, a return to our to our form of an annual nickname episode. Oh, it's um, going to happen. Which, which is uh, only called annual with tongue firmly in cheek but um this year with a slight wrinkle of not looking at the rosters at all beforehand so you will get a little bit of um a little bit of confusion and uh a smattering of disbelief with this year's nicknames um and we know there are some of you who are in the same boat as us don't pretend don't pretend (laughs) that all of you listening are up on the Heston Kirstads of the world. Because we know you aren't. We know you aren't. It's hey. gonna mean it's gonna mean a bunch of uh nicknames based very, very closely on phonetic pronunciation and no other background knowledge. Hey Alan, what do yes, you sir. call Heston Kirstad uh <laughs> when he is Ooh. at the end of his long illustrious career, all of which has been spent in the black and orange. Um, and he is on the precipice of retirement, sure to be enshrined in Cooperstown and doesn't want to retire. Um, but knows, uh, that he should. Um, and, uh, what, what do you call him in that, in that inevitable moment? That inevitable moment, which we can pencil in now from, 22 years from this day. Oh, wait, sorry. Um, I, I, I forgot to I forgot to add that he also says, you can pry the bat from my cold dead hands. That's an important <laughs> clue. <laughs> I think I have a sense, but tell me. Oh, you call him Charlton Heston Kirstad. <laughs> of course you do. Talk to you soon, Baltimore. Okie dokie, bye-bye. Baltimoreans. Baltimoreans.